the F1 podcast with me, Jess. Me, Charlie. And me, Chris. This week, we're going to be talking about the Turkish Grand Prix held in Istanbul. So this weekend marked Lewis Hamilton's seventh world title, matching Michael Schumacher's um, record that he set back in 2005 or six. I can't remember which one now. Um, Either or, it's still a massive achievement for Lewis Hamilton. He, um, they did a whole kind of montage afterwards of like Michael Schumacher saying um, how he wanted the record to be broken, about how records are there to be broken. I think that it really cements Lewis as one of the top few drivers to ever have drove in F1. Um, uh, he gave some very empowering speeches afterwards, which I kind of thought went really well. I think that everything that he's doing at the minute is pretty amazing and I think that winning the seventh world title and having that level of emotion shows that it's not lost on him at all. I completely agree. I will correct you and say it was actually 2004. When oh, okay, I, I thought it was around then but I didn't know <laughs> who it was. The knowledge. Oh, yeah, it was, it was Alonso in 2005, 2006 wasn't it? Completely forgot. Charlie. Ignore me. Are you a motorsport fan? Sometimes. <laughs> but I completely agree with you. And I, it was really quite nice to see Lewis Hamilton be emotional. Yeah. Because actually, it, I think we forget sitting at home watching. It is monumental. But he is actually just a normal man from Stevenage. Yeah. You know, really normal guy. And he's he always is really, isn't he? He's always very down to earth and things like that. And I just think actually to show for him to cry which was quite nice I thought was really showed how much it meant to him Mm. I mean when I first heard the radio I don't know about you guys of them being like you're the seven-time world champion he made a little squeal didn't he yeah I was like was that him or was that was that something else I don't know but it was him he was genuinely so emotional and just completely overwhelmed by the whole experience I think that's lovely I think it happened on such a a crazy weekend as well everything from the track to the weather to what actually happened in the race um you know they resurfaced the track about a couple of weeks before the grand prix and then there was a load of rain it didn't go particularly well on saturday hence the lance stroll starting pole there were massive gaps throughout the top 10 in terms of what their timings were and hamilton and bottas found themselves down towards the end of the top 10 which wasn't typically where they wanted to be but I think the race was I'd say probably one of the top five races that I've watched kind of ever I really liked it for a a number of different I thought the the podium was such a great podium to have as well bear in mind at least like three of the four of them hadn't sorted out their future for next year with Perez still unassigned to a seat Hamilton not yet signed his contract either and neither had Toto Wolf who was on the podium with him um get seeing Seb back on the podium as well and Charles was just very unlucky that the move didn't work and he beat himself up quite heavily about that but it was just such a great weekend just in general so much happened and everybody kind of embraced it um granted some got more lucky than others um but you know that's just the way it goes but I think the Hamilton's drive to be able to convert intermediates into slicks 
and managed to build a 30 second gap on people who had been at the front the entire race really shows that that is kind of we're not at Hamilton the rest of the drivers aren't really at a similar level anymore Hamilton has exceeded even likes of Verstappen and Bottas Leclerc who were all deemed very good drivers they're now he's now so much further ahead yeah I do, I do agree with that I do you think he's in kind of just a league of his own in pretty much all regards but also I think we have to give something I'm not sure whether it's negative or positive to racing point because I physically do not understand how they got themselves to lock out the front row I don't get it I think it was down to sheer luck if I'm honest I think they just timed it completely right as we saw in the the reason why Stroll got dumped down the grid so far was because he made some calls over the radio I think his team wanted to bring him in slightly earlier for intermediates and when he eventually got the intermediates on, he just had no grip or anything. Hence, he fell down the down the standings quite dramatically. Perez just did really well. It was a really solid drive. He just didn't have as quick of a car as Hamilton at the end of the day. A second place finish is still very good for them. And I think that it's something that they will build on in the next year. But I think it was just down to, I mean, both the um, Alfa Romeos are in the top 10. The McLaren started 15th and 16th you had Pierre Gasly down there as well it wasn't the best week I mean even getting to the grid Alfie Giovinazzi and Russell both had issues and then when the race actually started so many drivers just struggled so it was more a case of getting through the adversity of it all to try basically it was keep keep your nose clean stay out the walls and you'll basically get a top 10 finish all the drivers in the top 10 at the end stayed relatively out of trouble unless you're looking at like some Max Verstappen who had a pretty decent comeback drive. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and also when we were talking about the grid, I mean, what blew my mind this weekend was Pierre Gasly, poor guy. So what happened with him, and I think this actually does need explaining because I found it confusing, is that he basically needed a gearbox change or something electrical changing, didn't he? Due to the fact that he had an electrical fire, what, two weeks ago now? So they needed at some point to change that. But they were waiting for an opportunity where he was quite far down the grid due to the fact that he would get a grid penalty for it. Mm. So basically they were going to have to throw throw away a race because they need to do that. But what I found really interesting is that they, they started taking apart the car to do the work they needed to do, which would result in them getting a grid penalty. Then everyone else started to get grid penalties for not obeying yellow flags. Mm. And then they decided, no, 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 we're not going to do this because now Pierre Gasly has gone from like 15th to 10th. So they put the car back together. But the FIA decided that they were too far gone and gave them the gave them the grid penalty anyway. Mm, yeah. So they've now got to do it again, another race. So they've now got to forfeit two races. Yeah, it was just such a chaotic race in general. Chris, as somebody who's relatively new to F1, what did you make of it just in general? Um, to me, that race reminded me of in the summer when you put a big plastic sheet on the garden, cover it in fairy liquid and everyone just runs and slides down it. I have never seen so many cars spin out. People like gain two positions, lose it just as quickly as they gained it. Like it seemed like quite a chaotic one. Like my family group chat, my family all love F1, like way more than I do. And it was just message after message after message. Have you seen this? What's happened to him? Bottas has done that. Hamilton's done this. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was, it was a fun uh, one. My heart goes out to poor Esteban Ocon. That man, at every opportunity, was completely had the entire weekend. He was third going into turn one and then got spun by his own teammate to later get spun by Bottas, who also spun at the first corner. And then he just got completely ruined by strategy. Bottas had probably one of the worst races I've seen an individual have in quite a long time. I think one of my favourite quotes in a press conference afterwards was, I think it was the Dutch t- d- Dutch channel or something like that. They said, oh, um, if you could erase one day from 2020, would it be today? He goes, yes, either this day or the time that guy bought a bat in Wuhan. And I was like, that is, yeah, OK, I get it. I do. But it was just kind of, it's really hard for him, I imagine, to have Lewis Hamilton winning a seventh world title while he gets lapped by him and finishes, I think, what was it? Oh, I want to say... 14th place behind both the Alpha Tauris and just ahead of Kimi Raikkonen, who was just anonymous the entire race, pretty much. I mean, also another stellar of a quote from Bottas that day was that on um, on Sky, I think it was, yeah, I think it was Sky. I I definitely I saw it on Twitter. Um, he it it was like a toss up between him or Danny Ricardo. Um, doing, yeah, I remember. The, I remember seeing this. Yeah. yeah. And they did uh, rock, paper, scissors and Bottas won it. And he was like, best thing that's happened to me all day. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I think that does kind of, yeah, I think that's about right. (laughs) I think that the real winners coming out of the weekend is definitely Ferrari. And I'd also say McLaren as well. I think Red Bull, both drivers had the opportunity to make something of this race and they could have easily quite comfortably had two podium finishes wherever you want to put them. But Verstappen being Verstappen kind of cost him quite dearly. He got he could have taken Perez anywhere pretty much, but he decided to do it there. And Albon just Albon was having a brilliant race. I really think that he's kind of cemented his claim to a seat in F1 next year with that race. I mean, looking at the likes of Pierre Gasly, who I know he he had a much more compromised start to the race, but. I think on the whole, I Albon put in a really mature drive for somebody who's definitely fighting for their seat. Same with Perez. I think that if Perez isn't on the grid next year in one capacity or another, there's some massive questions to be asked about the influence that kind of, you know, people have in F1 and money can have, I think, especially with the salary caps that are coming in. I think that having a driver like Perez on the grid who is potentially one of the slightly cheaper options in comparison to the contracts that would be offered to say Danny Ricardo or somebody like that, you're getting a very similar quality of driver. But I think McLaren did a fantastic job. Um, Lance Stroll was probably, I'd say Lance Stroll, Esteban Ocon and Bottas were all the losers this weekend. I think Stroll was so in control for the first half and he built about 10 second gap to his teammate and still managed to to lose it in some capacity and it was just a strange strange environment that it must have been for that side of the garage it was just so weird to see it happening that the track was evolving at such a weird in such a weird way that it just didn't seem to make sense yeah I personally having looked at Stroll's performance quite closely throughout the season think that he at the moment lacks um like overtaking I feel like when yeah. you like Albon, 
you know that even if he starts in seventh or eighth, he is going to come back up because he overtakes really aggressively, but really effectively a majority of the time. But someone like Stroll, I feel like he's a very good racer. I feel like he is very good at being at the front if you were at the front. But I do think he lacks the ability to overtake. You quite often see that. He often yeah. starts roughly he, where he finishes unless he something goes wrong. always does particularly well in qualifying. He's much more of a one-lap pace kind of guy. When you put into account the conditions this weekend and the consistency of it, I think it would have definitely played into Stroll's hands. When you, he is out the front, he can hold his own, but it's when he's in that mid-pack around cars of a similar pace with drivers who were arguably a little bit better skilled than him, the likes of the Daniel Ricardos, the Sciences. I'd go as far even say the likes of Ocon or somebody like that. It's where he starts to struggle a bit, and he did make some quite considerable attempts when he was being overtaken it was down that large back straight towards the final chicane where he tried to overtake both Vettel and Sainz and made a complete mess of both overtakes so it's just something he's definitely I'd say come on a lot more than what he has been the last few years he did get the podium back in Baku with Williams a few years ago and I think that he's a much better driver now than he was then but I still think there is a large room for improvement before he is, you know, before he is seen much more than just, you know, daddy's money, whatever you want to call it kind of thing. Like in a realistic world, I would have Perez and Vettel in the Aston Martin seats for next year. And that's how I feel a lot of people would have it. But the influence in the sport now is so much that that's being compromised by millions of pounds being put into that race seat. Yeah, I, I do completely agree with that. And it's it's a really like multi multi-layered problem because you've got, you know, Stroll, I think on Saturday, earned his seat. He proved that he can be better than Perez on a one lap basis on speed in exactly the same car in exactly the same conditions. But then I also think um, I also think Perez is a, an incredibly well-rounded driver. And I think if they'd have kept Stroll and Perez together for a bit longer, I think Stroll would have learned so much from him because he is just so well-rounded as, as a driver. You know, mm. higher maintenance, lap times, but at the same time having stamina, always being reliable. And has he not scored points in pretty much every race he has attended? Yeah, pretty much. I know um, from the last, the top three drivers... We're, all, we're three of the four drivers that were on the grid last time the F1 came to Turkey. The only one that wasn't around there was Kimi. So yeah. before this, I think the best result that Perez had was, I think, 14th here. The others had all won at least one race, I think. So, you know, Perez reminds, of, in his younger days at Sauber, um, he reminded me a lot of what we're seeing from Stroll now, a bit more erratic, not too much experience. Typically goes with what his heart this kind of feeling opposed to what he's what he needs to be thinking I feel that you know Lance Stroll's still one of the youngest on the grid I think he's 21 now I think he's just older than Lando it's you know he's still got another if he plays his cards right another 10 plus years in the sport if he doesn't decide to go off and do other things with kind of you know WEC coming back there's a whole new realm of possibilities there ones that both Grosjean and Magnussen are looking at it's definitely, you know, he just needs to make sure that he is continually going forward and not having these 
moments where he's just kind of stewing in whatever he's done in you know in that race I think that it'll definitely be a weekend for him to forget but I think it's definitely one that he can build on yeah definitely I mean I mean we need to talk about as well the fastest lap winner of this week the lovely Lando who didn't have a brilliant race I mean he came eighth he's in the points he got five but he did get himself fastest lap so really he's the real winner (laughs) yeah Lando is Lando's in a very similar position to Lance as well. I think that arguably he's got a bit more talent than Lance. I don't know if that's fair to say. They've both got similar track records when it comes to finishes, that kind of thing. You know, I think Lando's definitely got a bit more... He's definitely matured over the last couple of years. I think that what we've heard over radio this year, he's been a bit more vocal about the drivers. I think that's definitely an edge that he needs in his racing. Um there's no question in my mind, at least, that he can challenge if he moves to a top team for a championship, provided he's in that right equipment. You know, I think every F1 fan wants a kind of three or four way battle between him, George Russell, Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc in the next kind of five, six years when they're all reaching their peak. But it all depends on how those seats fall. I mean, Lewis Hamilton's basically bionic at this point. I don't know how he's continually going, even though he's kind of he's a older now than Rosberg was when he retired. And he's looking like he's going to at least go another year. I mean, in his press conferences after he won the title, uh, the championship, he was saying that how he feels like he's only just getting started and that he's never losing. He hasn't lost that kind of will to win. And, you know, these younger guys are going to have to try a hell of a lot harder to even come close to. I, I don't think we'll see another driver like Hamilton unless, you know, Verstappen gets the move that he needs to, say, a Mercedes type seat or something like that, where it's just outright dominance. And it has been for so long. I it was thinking about the Mercedes seats. And it's weird to think since their inception back in, you know, early 2010s, they've only had four drivers. They've had Hamilton, Rosberg, Schumacher and Bottas and you know the four drivers over that long when you look at other teams who are constantly chopping and changing drivers having that kind of rigid system that they have has really helped I'd say helped them get to where they are now instead of having the constant changing strategy and team members and personnel it just helps to keep it so much when you look at Red Bull they had they're still having so much chopping and changing of drivers and it can't help the system that they have in place i feel like red bull are having a bit of a midlife crisis when it comes to drivers at the moment they cannot find anyone good enough for max verstappen but i also don't think they are because the issue that i've got with it is that they're actually in a very privileged position where they've got drivers who are with albon and gasly are in two very similar they're very similar drivers and it's the fact that you give one slightly better machine and they will, the other one performs better and vice versa. It's not so much that they're both bad drivers, it's both that they're very similar drivers and they just need to pick one and stick with it. You know, there's going to be a similar situation that, you know, Sainz had when he just wants out, basically. He wasn't going to get that shot that he wanted and eventually there will be a seat open elsewhere. So with like, so the reality of it is that Vettel's probably got another year or two in him. That's the kind of reality of it. If Gasly can hold out for that or, you know, Daniel Ricciardo's getting on a bit now. You've got Hamilton, Bottas, all of the Kimi even, all these older drivers. 
and there will be room for manoeuvre in the future. And I think a lot of drivers will take those opportunities. It's just a case of who will go where. Yeah, I really do agree with that. And to be honest, I kind of, and I'm going to say this really quietly because it's, you know, a bit of a unpopular opinion, but I'm actually kind of looking forward to the day where, you know, Sebastian Vettel, Danny Rick, Lewis Hamilton, Bottas retire, because I'm really excited for Lando Norris, George Russell, Alex Albon, Pierre Gasly to be able to go into those top tier teams because I really feel like they deserve it. And actually, when we were talking about Lewis Hamilton doing that interview where he says he feels like he's only just got started, after that interview, it cut immediately to um, to Lando doing his like press interview. And I just looked at him and thought, you're not getting a world title anytime soon because if unless Hamilton unless Hamilton does something like retirement or you know move to a te- different team, then you're not going to get anywhere. So I was a bit disappointed for him because obviously there's not going to be a new youngest world champion now. Sebastian Vettel's going to keep that for a good few years now. So it's going to be really interesting actually for when they do retire and let the next group of people step up. Yeah. I think that this year has definitely been one of the best years for F1. I think just on the whole, it's been one of the most entertaining seasons for so many different reasons. COVID hasn't really had that much of an impact on it or as much as people thought there was going to be. Um, You know, the race is arguably this calendar has probably been the best calendar that a lot of people have seen. You know, we've dropped some of the more lacklustre races at the likes of France. Um, you know, we've replaced them with Turkey was a fantastic. It'd be interesting to see what it's like in the dry. We've had Portugal. We've had three Italy's. You know, it's been such a great calendar. And I think all the drivers in their own ways have enjoyed that. So I think going back to next year when there's a lot more rigidity. Rigid- yeah, let's go with that. When there's a lot more rigidity to it. And there's a lot more structure and it's all the kind of races that they put out with the new one in Saudi Arabia. I think that it I don't want to say that it will go back to what it was like before, where it was very much a case of there weren't many surprises or anything like that. I think that it's just going to be a bit more of the usual. Yeah, I completely agree. And I mean, Chris, what do you think? Because this is probably your first year watching Formula One so much. And I was wondering whether you think Formula One is good how it is or whether you would prefer it with a bit more like predictability. Uh, Yeah, so I would say being the first year now of watching it, I couldn't really tell a difference, I think. Like if there was coronavirus or not, I don't think it would really change it. It seems like as a sport, you know, it's it's not really impacted on it. I think it has been an exciting year, definitely watching it. I've definitely gotten into some of those races um, a lot more than I thought I would. Um, I think what would make it more exciting is like what you were saying, Jess, is if these older ones moved on because like Hamilton always finishing first, like he's now got his seventh world champion. I think two weeks ago he beat um, Schumacher, was it? Built his, his title race wins. Yeah, beat his race wins. And then it's like, oh, yeah, and now when I watch it, it's like, well, he's just going to win again, isn't he? He's just going to win again. And I have heard, like, when he first started, he was like an underdog. He was different, and it was great to watch him come up. And I think because I've come in now, I've not seen that underdog story. So just watching him win every week, and it's like, oh, well, this week he started in sixth instead of in first. And it's, that's meant to be a big thing. But there's also 20 cars to a race. I'd like to watch him go from 16th instead of sixth. 
and get it back up to first and watch him all the way. Um, yeah, I didn't. I I sort of in. I think I'd enjoy it a bit more if there was a bit more to it, like Mario Kart. If there was you know bananas everywhere and shells exploding, and that's just me. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what we had this week because no one had been there in a good while. No one quite. No one really understood the track, and then it rained. You know. It didn't rain on. It didn't rain on Thursday, did it? I don't think it did. No, I think that it was clear through most of the week, and then it dropped off yeah. Thursday night into Friday. Yeah, and well, it definitely it... rained enough that it looked like there were banana peels all over the yeah. track. So yeah. I think that's why I enjoyed this week quite a lot. Yeah. Also but... watching Hamilton from sixth and then getting disappointed when he came up to first, like halfway through the race, and it's like, oh wow. Yeah, don't you're one of us now. Who's gonna win? Yeah. Welcome, welcome to the club. Yeah. <laughs> and that definitely will be more like less likely to happen next year, simply because they plan it so that races aren't done in those areas when it's raining. So like they don't come to the UK and use Silverstone in January because they know that it's probably going to rain. They come in April, May because it's more likely to be a nice day. You know, they wouldn't normally go to Turkey in November because it might rain. But they're having to this year, so we are encountering a bit more, bit more diverse weather and more diverse tracks. So it's good. No, I liked it. I did like it a lot. <laughs> okay, guys, thank you so much for listening. Catch us next week where we'll be talking about Formula Two and lots of other good stuff. Bye. 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 Why do we all wave? It's all just audio. Oh yeah.